Well, this is one of my uh, absolute favorite, favorite, favorite things to talk about because it is really at the very center of our faith. I heard a preacher say uh, over 20 years ago that if somebody says to you, can you explain Jesus, his person, his work, and the truth of all of the scriptures in a simple, short way, you should say to them, come to church with me on Sunday and come and witness the breaking of bread. Because within this beautiful act of communion, and I love the word, it is truly a common union of us with God and us together with one another, we see displayed the very nature and character, the very purpose of Christ on earth. And so please go with me to Mark chapter 14, and we're going to read from verses 12 to 24. And this is the story of what we refer to as the Last Supper. It wasn't actually the last meal that Jesus had on earth, because once he was raised from the dead, of course, he was around for uh, 30, 40 days more, and he had many more meals with his disciples. But this was the last meal that Jesus had pre-resurrection with his friends, with his disciples all together in one place. And so in that sense, it is the Last Supper. It is an important, important milestone. And so let's read Mark 14 from verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher, capital T, asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready, make preparations for us there. So you see how inclusive the Lord is all the time. This wasn't just something that he was going to do and they were going to witness it was a celebration, a preparation. It was a lesson and a truth that all of them were to participate in together. Verse 16. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, only, sorry, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. That's a little bit of a conversation killer, I would say. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. It was one cup. 
This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. So the breaking of bread, communion, as we are going to partake in in a few minutes, is central to the Christian faith. It reminds us that Jesus is our center. He is the center of God's great plan for all of humanity. He's right at the center of all of history. But it reminds us every time that we do it, that Jesus should still be and must always remain the very center of our lives. You know, one of the things that I, uh, as a Christian, have always loved about Jesus and his teachings is that he is able to take everyday things and use them as metaphors or use them as symbols to teach profound, eternal, immeasurable, infinite truths. And this is the greatest example of all. So picture this. The disciples have gone, two of them, in the afternoon. They've found this room. It's been prepared. The Holy Spirit must have already spoken to the person who owned this place because it says that everything was ready for them. And when it says that they prepared the Passover meal, of course, what, what the Scripture is referring to is that the Jews, once a year, would celebrate the deliverance of the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt when they had been slaves for 440 years. So once a year, um, and of course, as Christians, we celebrate this too. It's, it's, a, it's a parallel for us of what Jesus did for us at the cross and how when Moses, directed by God, goes and challenges Pharaoh, and you know there's the story of the ten plagues, and uh, if you saw the movie Exodus recently, which was absolutely ghastly and so far removed from Scripture, it was funny, but the graphics were awesome. Um, don't, if you don't know anything about the Bible, that's not the way it worked. They were supernatural works, truly. Uh, what a missed opportunity for the movie makers. But anyway... Because the scripture is very clear. God speaks. God delivers them. And of course, part of the deliverance, remember that the last plague that God sends is the angel of death. And Moses comes and he says to the children of Israel, listen, God is going, the angel of death is going to come. He's going to sweep over the land. And the firstborn of every family, including Pharaoh's, is going to die. Because Pharaoh has been so stubborn, he's just refused to let God's people go. And so he says to the Jews, what you need to do is find a spotless lamb, a little lamb that is absolutely perfect and kill it and take the blood from that lamb and apply it to the doorposts of your home. And when the angel of death passes down your street and sees the blood on the mantle or on the doorpost rather, he will know that you are God's people. He will not enter into your home and your firstborn will not die. But people who don't do that will suffer the judgment of God. And of course, Jesus, who two days after this, or the very next day actually, at the end of the day, is himself slaughtered in a sense, in a very real sense. It's like he took his blood and applies it to the doorframe of humanity that anybody who wants to walk into the forgiveness that Jesus brought for us on the cross doesn't have to die for eternity, but those who say, it's okay, thanks, 
I'm not going to trust Jesus to be my savior. I'm going to live my life my own way. I'm going to do what I want. I know that I'm a sinner. I don't care. I'm doing things my way. You end up not with a physical death immediately, but at the end of your life, you end up with an eternal spiritual death. It's called hell. And so the Passover meal for Jesus is intensely personal because he understands that in God's great plan, he is the perfect spotless lamb that is to be sacrificed. And it's literally, physically, his blood that is going to be shed. It is physically his body that is going to be broken as they put the nails into his wrists and into his feet, as they put the spear into his side. He is going to suffer physically so that you and I don't have to suffer spiritually for eternity. And of course, the disciples don't understand at this Passover meal. Obviously, they know the history. They've been taught it. They've teach it to their kids year in and year out. So the breaking of bread, as Jesus is taking these symbols, and he makes it easy for us to remember him, Right? Because what do we do two or three or four, some of you six or seven times a day, you eat. So at a meal, Jesus takes something that is completely common to the disciples so that it's easy for them to remember. And you know the interesting thing, he says that whenever you do this, what is the this? Whenever you have a meal together and you break a piece of bread, I want you to remember me. I want you to think about Not who I am today sitting at the table only, but I want you to think about what you are going to witness in the next few days, in the next month. And what is that? Well, it's him going to the cross. It is him being broken and bleeding and giving his life naked in public, humiliated, being accused falsely by the Romans and by the Jews So the Jews and Gentiles, in other words, all of mankind are equally guilty of his murder. All of us. And they represent all generations that come after them. And Jesus willingly goes to the cross and he gives his life. But the great news is that three days later, he's raised from the dead supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, I don't want you to only remember the three years we had together, the miracles and the good times. I want you to remember my resurrection from the dead. Not only that, I want you to remember that when I was raised from the dead, graves opened and at least 500 people came out of their graves and there were all sorts of miracles that took place. Then I want you to remember that the day came that you saw me ascend into heaven and that I'm at my Father's right hand And I want you to remember every time you break bread that I'm coming again to bring you to be with me for eternity. So the communion is not just the sad, mournful experience. You know, I was raised in a a lovely, actually wonderful, but really old school Assemblies of God church when I first got saved. And we used to have communion every Sunday. It actually became a very religious thing, you know, like God forbid if you didn't break bread. And uh, so, of course, we had this wonderful pastor. He's responsible directly for me getting to the ministry, so I greatly honor and respect him. But he would, we would all bow our heads, right? And usually the preaching was like 45 minutes to an hour long. The worship was quite long. 
So services were quiet. And then we'd get to the breaking of bread at the end of the meeting, and everybody would bow their heads and go very quiet. And then you'd hear this voice. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Like this. So the kids are laughing. The teenagers are like, shoot me now. The old people... (laughs) The old people are like, oh, I feel so holy. This is so awesome. The visitors are like, what the heck am I doing here? They're turning to their families saying, you tricked me. You lied to me. This is a lunatic place. It's a funeral home. It's a morgue. And, you know, and you'd be all serious. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, every week. So every week we had this psychotic high of praise depending on the preacher, medium, high or low, and then just this mournful. And then we'd finish, you know, and you had to be super holy. And we used to have one cup for the juice, you know, to come around and you get it and there's stuff floating in there. You know, once there was somebody's false teeth had fallen in. Um, no, I'm joking. But we used to joke as young people were like, I dare you to put some false teeth in there and see what happens. But we just prayed that God would judge us. He probably would have. And, you know, it was this mournful, just this depressing almost. And then we'd finish, all right, praise the Lord. You know, God bless you as you're going to your week, and you sort of leave the church like, you know. And then after a few years, um, uh, you know, I had learned to do that. So we would do that. And then, then we came into a season like in the 80s, you know, and it was just the mega churches started happening, and, and people were having two and three and four services. We didn't have time to do that. So God forbid we went to the breaking of bread once a month. And we nearly had church splits and revolutions and divisions because it's like, you know, we're forgetting Jesus and all this stuff. So one day I was like, you know what, I really just need to study this for myself. And what does Jesus actually say? So in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that the early church on the first day of each week used to break bread. And that's where that thinking came from, right? That every week. But you know, we live in an era and a season of grace. Not only could you do it once or twice or eight times a week or once a month, the point is not how many times you do it. The point is that we remember Christ and all that he is and all that he has done for us. And the, the, the beauty of the story in Mark 14 is that Jesus says, whenever you do this, whenever you have a meal, take some time to think about what I did for you on the cross, and what the result of that was. And so later on, when we have communion, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Remember the day that you were saved. Because, you know, as human beings, we are such, I mean, we really are a wretched bunch. I'm speaking for you as well as myself, right? (laughs) I mean, spiritually, I mean, I say this with a bit of humor, but we can laugh about it because it's so true. We are so naturally unspiritual that Jesus had to make stuff baby simple for us so that we could remember easily and we could do stuff easily, right? I mean, Jesus had to give us the Bible so we could pick it up and read it in our own language because we are not natural spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings covered temporarily, you know, housed in a physical body, God is spirit, we are made in his image, we are first spirit. But until you are born again and your spirit comes alive 
and the Holy Spirit introduces you to Jesus and his kingdom, even then, if you get saved later on in life, I was 20 when I got saved, you know, you have decades of stuff to unlearn. It's like everything else. You know, we take a few years to learn to drive. Some of you have never learned, and you should not just be on the roads, <laughs> Shane. But, um, no, I'm half kidding. But, so, you know, think about that, how, how easily we forget stuff, you know, with the memories that we have. So spiritually, we need those disciplines, and so God makes it easy. So Jesus takes the simplest of things and says, listen, every time that you eat, just meditate on me. Focus on me. And it's something that you do have to train yourself to do, but once you get used to it, it becomes a really great spiritual habit. And so the wonderful thing, it's not that just we remember some kind of dead history. What communion reminds us of is a very present reality. And the reality is, for example, that this morning, you didn't wake up because you chose to. God gives us breath. You woke up because the Lord, in his grace and mercy, decided to give you another 24 hours in which to do two things, to give him glory and to bless others with his goodness. Our life is about two Gs, glory to God and be good to others with the goodness of God. Serve others, be other-centered. And so, you know, we have life and breath today to draw closer to Christ because, friends, please hear me, listen to what I'm going to say now. We are going to rule and reign with him for all eternity so every day, every day is an opportunity to get to know the ruler better and to better understand what that reigning is going to look like. If you think that heaven in eternity is you playing a harp while your wife feeds you grapes, <laughs> you are reading the wrong Bible. Okay, it's very clear that when the new earth and new heaven comes, we all are going to be busy for God, the stunning, phenomenal, incomprehensible, wonderfully great, awesome news, um, was that positive enough, is that it's all going to be done with Christ as the ruler in perfect relationship to him and to one another, so we ain't seen nothing yet, but we know in the kingdom that God spends years preparing us first, so communion is a reminder of that that we have a future in Christ, with Christ, because of Christ, and therefore Jesus needs to be the very center of our lives now, so that we are learning with him now. So we focus on him, and um, we gather to hear the word of God when we have communion. We, we gather, according to the book of Ephesians, it says that each and every one of us has a psalm, a hymn, a song, a spiritual gift. If you don't have a song, please don't sing it. But you have another gift. If you do have a psalm or a song, bring it. Bring it. You can sing it during the worship. I don't mind if you sing it while I'm preaching. Just do it in tune. In other words, the point is that when, the, when his body gathers, think about this. When Jesus physically worked on, walked on earth, through him, his physical body, God was doing stuff all the time. The Bible says we are now his body. Nothing has changed in the way the kingdom works. Jesus came to show us what it looks like and how it works in the three years that he operated his ministry. And so it's the same for us, friends. 
please, you can never believe the lie of the devil that your job is to come here and sit and listen to handsome people like me. Oh, I'm sorry, to listen to people like me. You can say handsome if you want. No, seriously though, um, it's, the kingdom is never about, you know, those five people are really gifted. What? That would be like saying that my physical body, only this much of it works and the rest of it just goes along, you know? I've never thought of this. This is actually really profound. Um, it's, I mean, wouldn't that be a defunct body? You'd look at somebody and say, dude, something's wrong with you. Like the rest of you standing still and your hand is just moving all the time. And it's the same. You know, Jesus is the head. We are his body. We each and every one of us have been blessed with gifts. And what the Bible means by that is manifestations of him. Because by his spirit, the spirit takes Jesus in you and wants to get Jesus out of you to those who've never met him yet. To bring them to him, but then to bless the others who have met him in communion in him. And so communion is a reminder of all of this uh, wonderful privilege that we have in Jesus. And so there really are uh, three things that we always think of with communion. The first thing is that we remember Jesus, past, present, and future. Jesus comes and he takes everything, his, his death, his suffering, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension, his glorification, his coming again. And all of that is represented in a way that we can actually grasp and understand. Now, can I just say this? I was raised a Catholic, and then I gave my life to Jesus at 20. Um, so I was taught that when the priest prays um, over the wafers and over the juice, that it becomes the body of Jesus and it becomes his blood. And friends, I say this not to cause trouble or to disrespect anybody. Not only is that not true biblically, we are not cannibals. I saw a show in England, Monty Python, many, 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 many years ago. Um, the guy who does Monty Python. And they had a whole skit, you know. It was in the 80s, and they had a skit on... on Joining this, come and join this group of cannibals and eat meat every Sunday. And I was so offended. I actually spoke to the TV. I'm casting out the demons in the name of Jesus. Shut this TV, state, this program down. I rebuke you, you of the devil. And you know, years later, I was like, wow, that's a profound truth. From that, I'm not a profound, it's a profound untruth, but the truth, the opposite is, he's, but you know, it's because he, the mockery was, that based on the liturgy that he had witnessed in church, he's sitting there thinking that the, the joke was that he couldn't join this church because he's not a cannibal and he doesn't like to drink human blood. So I was offended as a Christian, but then afterwards, years later, I was like, you know what? Let's say for a moment that that wasn't a joke and people might actually think about us like that. Isn't it important to actually tell the truth from the Scripture and the truth is that the Bible says that Jesus' body was broken once for all. He died once for all. That was 2,000 years ago. And, and here's simple proof from the Bible why a wafer could never turn into flesh. I mean, on a totally sarcastic, cynical note, how awesome would it just go, be to go to the starving people on earth and just take some mud sauce and just, and here's a steak. So anyway, it's just, you know, it's just crazy on every level. It makes no sense. But 
what, what's, what was um, so powerful um, is the fact that Jesus, the Bible says, ascended to heaven in his human body, his glorified human body, and that right now, the scripture says, now, this moment, he is seated at his Father's right hand, and he's praying for you and for me. Right now, he's interceding for us. So he can't be in heaven physically, and then somehow all over the world, we're eating little pieces of him. And I, I, I make the point to say this, I'm not mocking, the Lord knows my heart, to say this, that we can't reduce the glorious truth of Christ's ascension, his resurrection, all the work he did, to some kind of religious thing that we've come up with, and then that makes us feel holy. No, we are made holy because Jesus' body and blood was, shed in the, was broken and shed on the cross, and through that he paid the price for all of our sins, right? And it is possible, it's completely possible now for whoever's listening to this message who's never yet met this wonderful, beautiful Jesus to enter into a personal relationship with him. That's the point. At the end of the day, the communion, I love that he did it around a meal. You know, it would probably have lasted two or three hours. And at the end of the day, Jesus even uses this lovely illustration of a meal to say, listen, I'm going to go and do something. Here's a symbol of what I'm going to do because I want everybody to be in my family. And you might be sitting there. You could be watching online. You might be sitting here today thinking, Lorenzo, if you knew what a wicked person I am and what a terrible sin I am, you would know that Jesus would never accept me. Well, listen, if you're a wicked, terrible person, join the club. You've come to the right place because every one of us are born sinners. And listen, the sin is complete. There are not levels of sinners. You know, there's not like, oh, you're a level three. That's awesome. I'm a level five. You know, no, sin is sin. Is, and every sin is equal. Homosexuality, greed, lust, selfishness, they're all in the same basket because all sin leads to death. But Jesus, our Savior, because of what he did for us, the Bible says that he, when he was raised from the dead, because of his obedience to the Father, he was sinless, and he was able to pay the price for all of our sins. Trust me, whatever you've done, there's no sin too large or small that Jesus has not completely, the Bible says, washed away, took upon himself on the cross, paid the price for everybody's sin, even the people yet to be born. Yes, even your lovely, gorgeous little baby is the sinner. And give him or her time, they will manifest their sin nature sooner or later. Right? It's called rebellion. But even your baby can come to know Jesus at a young age and have that privilege as they receive the work of Jesus on the cross, which we are celebrating, commemorating today, it's as real today as it was when Jesus broke that bread 2,000 years ago. And so we can, you can come to the foot of the cross, so to speak. You can come before Jesus. You can ask him to forgive you. You can ask him for, to enter into relationship with him, like I did 33 years ago, like many of you have done years ago, and you will instantly know his forgiveness. And listen, you'll still be a sinner. You'll just be saved by his grace. And your life will change. 
and stuff that used to seem so boring and weird will, like this will suddenly make sense to you and will be a celebration and your life will change and you might win the lottery. <laughs> no, that's terrible. My wife hates it when I do that because I've got a weird sense of humor. It's not my fault. Um, and she's like, you know, you're preaching your heart and you say the most ridiculous things. And I'm like, honey, you know, the thought comes into my mind. I can't control it. She says, you're 52. You can control it. Grow up. I love you. Anyway, so don't play the lottery unless you're going to tithe and make a contribution to my personal funds. But anyway, the presence of the Lord is beautifully with us, with us here. And thank God we don't have to rely on chance things. We cannot make our own lives. Jesus has a purpose for our life. And the breaking of bread reminds us that when we make him the center continually, every time we have a meal, just rejoice and celebrate who he is and what he's done, everything else falls into place.